0: Welcome to Dynasty Theory, your
1: source for everything, Dynasty Fantasy Football. With your host, John Bauer. Looking to sell everybody price-dependent. Dan Lamagna. Too
2: much dysfunction in Cleveland.
3: And
0: Mitch Sorensen.
2: Well, it's hard to compete with excellence.
1: Welcome to another episode of Dynasty Theory. Once again, we are live on Twitter and YouTube. I'm your host, John Bauer. You can find me on Twitter at the Bauer Club. Thank you to everybody that stuck around. We did kind of a pre-show. Before we jumped on here, half an hour of pretty much nonsense. We we talked a little more football than I anticipated. I thought it would be a little more random conversation. We did get some bachelor conversation in there, and I said that we'll have to have a full show just on that. But as always, I am joined by Dan Lamagna. He's shaking his head over there. That is at FF Coach Dan on Twitter. Dan, what is going on? Great to be
3: talking football. A little sad Travis Frederick retired tonight, but a a slight uptick in free
1: agency. Not much, but it's
3: something to talk about. So let's go, JB.
1: Yeah, I just saw that. I was breaking news. What an hour ago at 29 years old, and that's going to be a big hit to the Dallas offensive line. But we don't want to talk about Dallas tonight. We have talked about Dallas, I think, about 17 weeks running. We are also joined, as always, by Mitch Sorensen. That's at DinoMC on Twitter. Mitch, how are you holding up here? You're still going to work. You are not in complete isolation. I guess you're you're critical to the state of Utah, apparently.
2: I guess, and it's been really nice. You know, wife's <laughs> going to have to be home with the kids soon. The kids are already home. Grandpa's taking care of them for me. And it's it's okay going to work on those days.
1: <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound too bad. I, like I said, uh, about 15 times on the pre-show, I've been working from home, and it's been nice. You know, you get some additional time with your wife and your son, but man, seven months old, he is tough. As soon as I turn my eyes away from him, he goes nuts. The kid likes attention. I don't know where he gets it from, because I certainly, I don't like that type of attention. And you can see him here. His future is so bright. He has his sunglasses on. Once again, we are joined by the host of the father-son fantasy football show. That is Justin Toth. At Justin FSFF. Justin, I guess we couldn't get rid of you last week, huh? You yeah, guys just wanted more. I'm like, you
0: know, can't complain. Very fun show. I get to argue with Mitch, John, and of course, Dan, you know. But hey, sad day for Travis Frederick.
1: We had you on last week, obviously. And you graciously jumped on about 15 minutes before the show. We had a last-second cancellation, so again, thank you for that. And then you were scheduled for tonight, so we thought, why not have you on back-to-back? It's like the World Series, John. You know, he pitched it. He came out of the pen last game for us.
3: He was clutch. Now we need him to start tonight. I don't know. It looked like a
2: blown save to me, Dan. It looked like a blown (laughs) save to me. (laughs) me. Was that some sort of hockey analogy?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think it was baseball. Baseball. What's baseball? I don't know. All right, so before we get into the show tonight, We're still giving away the Saquon Barkley autographed jersey. And Mitch, you want to do it, probably coincide it with the draft, correct?
2: Yeah, as long as the draft happens as planned and it doesn't get pushed back, we're going to be doing a live show at that time while that first round is going on. And we'll be giving away the jersey sometime during that live show on that Thursday night.
1: To be qualified to win it, leave a five-star review and send us a screenshot. We are on Twitter. We're on Instagram. It's at Dynasty Theory FF. We're very easy to get a hold of, so uh, don't be shy. All right, guys, let's get right into it. The last few days, they've been a little bit slower. We want to talk about free agency, and on last week's show, we had some big things to talk about. We obviously had the DeAndre Hopkins and David Johnson trade, Derek Henry, Ryan Tannehill, Kirk Cousins. So there was a lot to talk about last week, and we really wanted to dive in to uh, a few items here tonight. And we want to talk about the dynasty impact of some of these free agency signings, trades, you know, a a few key acquisitions. And in one case, in Mitch's case, we're going to lead off with it, maybe a lack thereof. So if you look on Twitter, and I actually posted a poll today, I said, would you rather have Devin Singletary or the 107 in Superflex? It was about 72% in favor of the 107. Everybody is saying sell Devin Singletary because the thought was, well, they're going to look to add a running back in free agency. Jordan Howard, Melvin Gordon, Devontae Freeman. He's still floating out there. But now everybody's talking about them adding a running back via the draft. And there's a few things here. And Mitch, I'm going to turn it over to you because you want to talk about Devin Singletary here and what we're doing with him moving
2: forward. Right. So part of this is, a lot of these guys as ADP already has that build in. Their market shares build in. Whether we think they're going to get 40%, 50%, 60% of that rushing share, it's going to be built in their cost to begin with. Buffalo only has two running backs in the roster. They have TG eldon and Devin Singletary. So they're going to bring in someone else. They were always going to bring in someone else. But I think as soon as Melvin Gordon didn't get signed there, we saw a whole bunch of posts pop up on Twitter. like, oh, just wait, they're going to draft a rookie and the rookie's going to overtake Devin Singletary now. Wasn't that ex- the exact same thing we said about Devin Singletary taking over for Frank Gore last year? So at what point are we going to allow the rookies to actually be the main guy and s- say that they're going to hold their value instead of immediately saying, oh, wait, they're a year older now. So now they're a, they're a sell because Zach Moss is going to come in and take over for him. We're constantly selling guys before we even give them a chance to produce.
1: Okay, so your thought here is you're not selling Devin Singletary. No, not at all. Dan, what are your thoughts here? I'm leaning towards selling. Some quick
3: hitters here is, uh, Mitch makes great points, but I I think they're bringing in somebody via free agency. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Carlos Hyde uh, signs any day now. You know, Freeman's also out there, Lamar Miller. Uh, You know, the Bills are going to pass the ball. Josh Allen's going to run the ball. They just get Stephon Diggs. And to me, Singletary just seems like that Smaller running back that never gets that full buy-in from the team, whether it be a Philip Lindsay type, um, you know, I, I just see him sliding in the draft for me if we had a startup right now, and I'd rather, you know, get a Carson or Connor that we were talking about in the pre-show, or Levy and Bell who, who we're going to talk about later on, or or probably even going wide receiver and sliding somewhere else with running back. So I'm selling, or I'd even take that 1.07 you were talking about, JB.
1: All right. Well, you're not getting the 107 for Devin Singletary, at least based on that poll. You know, it, it's going to slide back 109, 110. People are saying that they'd rather have the 107, and they talk about the running backs that they would take there. Are they not guys potentially that are going to fall into a running back by committee? People were saying Cam Akers, and we talked about him last week. We talked about him a few weeks ago. I like Cam Akers. But if he goes to Atlanta, is he not going to be in a committee with Todd Gurley in year one? It's funny that we're discounting Devin Singletary so much. He's going running back 19 on DLF ADP. Is Miles Sanders probably not going to be in a committee again? He's going running back 11. So what's the difference? Devin Singletary was just as effective. And oh, I see Justin shaking his head over there. Devin Singletary <laughs> was one of the most efficient running backs in the NFL last year. So obviously, Justin, you have Devin Singletary as a sell then?
0: Uh, I mean, you just said Miles Sanders and Devin Singletary in the same sentence. That's kind of just, that's just. No, uh,
1: that's disrespectful to Devin.
0: That's disrespectful to Miles Sanders. You can get that another time, but very efficient last year, Devin Singletary. But running back 19, I have him in my 20s. I'd rather have the 107, the 108, the 109, the 110, the 111, the 112, the 201, the the 202, the 203 in a super flex draft. I'd even get later in the second round, maybe depending on these landing spots, but he's a sell for me. You,
1: would... <laughs> who are you taking at the two hundred two or two hundred three? Denzel Mims,
0: J when it Hurts. I will take one of those depending on landing spot. Obviously, like right now, it's tough to say. I mean, if Clyde Edwards Hilaire falls into the second round, he gets into a landing spot that's appropriate. I don't know. Devin Singletary. I just don't see him
1: being like the long term solution for Buffalo. But he sh- he showed last year. That with less than 50% of the running back touches and opportunities, so we're talking about carries and targets, he was highly efficient, highly effective. Is he a bell cow? I don't think so. And I never thought he was, especially heading into the 2019 season. And we knew it was going to take some time. But let's say another running back goes there, whether it's a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire or maybe it's a Carlos Hyde via free agency. You're telling me that Carlos Hyde is going to negatively impact Devin Singletary's value that much, and you're more willing to ride with Chris Carson, who's also going to be supplanted here in 2020, Dan.
3: I don't think Carson is going to be supplanted. That's why I say that. I think they've Seattle has invested too much in him and Penny, and I think they ride that train. They a invested le- a little seventh bit
1: draft pick in him. They
3: didn't he's invest anything guy. in him yet. He's their guy. He's going to come back healthy, and he's just a bull. And I think he starts, and then they they hang in with Penny a little bit longer. So I, I don't know if they 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 do take another running back, and if they do, them or Buffalo, it's going to take a while for that running back to develop. You know, unless it is unless Buffalo does go all in and we see a DeAndre Swift or you know a T- Jonathan Taylor that kind of guy, then maybe it changes the tune a little bit. But uh, I'm not seeing that. I, I think they're all in win now. They sign a Carlos Hyde, and then I I would ask you, I would ask you. JB about draft strategy here you know what are you looking for in Singletary are you looking for a guy just for running back depth or are you taking Justin's approach of looking a little bit more long term and he's not the guy so you know where does he for me I'm selling because I'd rather invest somewhere else I'm not saying I don't like Devin Singletary he was efficient last year but he's not a guy I'm excited about because I don't think he's a long-term answer as Justin mentioned what about How Drake many how, the how many
2: running backs are long term answers? Yeah, that's the whole thing. Is we're comparing him to Chris Carson who's probably going to be out of the league in 2 years. I mean it's more than well likely, well, well, let's not get cuz
1: I'm I'm still more Chris than likely he, guy.
2: he won't be a starting he won't be fantasy relevant in 2 years. He'll be Carlos Hyde. To where you could start him a few times and then 2 years from now he's not going to be. Devin Singletary <laughs> is in the exact same situation now. And honestly, Miles Sanders is in I would say a worse situation. Than David Singletary is this year.
1: And you you know the Bills are going to commit to the run. And here's what drives me crazy. And, Justin, after I go on my little rant here, I'm going to bounce it back over to you for some secondary thoughts. Everybody is saying he's a sell. If everybody and their mother says a player's a sell, when does he become a buy? Because for me, Devin Singletary, last week, one week ago, I said through startups up to this point, I have not acquired Devin Singletary because I do have a little bit of concern. But at this point, he's slipped. I know we said 19th in DLF ADP. He's going 20, 21, 22, 23. And you're getting players like, you know, Le'Veon Bell, Chris Carson taken before him. I think there's more risk for those players than Devin Singletary. Give me two years out of a running back. You know, Mm -hmm. I I don't think we should be projecting any further. But, you know, uh, Justin, I want to go back to you. I'm not saying that Miles Sanders, you know, it's not a skill question. I think Miles Sanders is very talented. But his situation is very similar to Devin Singletary. So if the Eagles bring another running back in, because they're not going to run with him and Boston Scott, are you selling Miles Sanders too? I'm not selling Miles Sanders. I'm buying Miles Sanders. <laughs> no matter you, what. You, you, no. So you're going to buy Miles Sanders at running back 11 price? Is that not no, – that well, they has they to be buy, close to his ceiling, right? I just bought him in a league. What, what did you pay, if you don't mind me asking?
0: I gave up Juju in a 2021 20, first for Miles Sanders and Allen Robinson.
1: Oh, that's a great deal. Okay, that's – I mean – I, I was expecting it.
0: That's not an
2: overpayment. I'm not that dumb. I'm not <laughs>
0: that dumb. All right. I mean, with Singletary though, I'm buying, selling, and holding. It depends on what you're willing like to get. Or so you might dependent.
1: say it's very, it's
0: price up in the air. Yeah. yeah, I would say like price dependent too. But I was thinking, like I mentioned, Allen Robinson's so If you pair up, you know, Singletary for a you know, wide receiver for Allen Robinson and a Western running back like Tony Power, who I like a lot, I like that deal. Maybe packaging a better wide receiver with Singletary to get like a DJ Moore. Because Singletary is not bad. He's a young running back. He showed some promise his rookie year, third in juke rate. Like you mentioned, how efficient he was, third in big run run rate. I like him. I just don't like him that much. I'd rather have other guys around his price. And I think you're probably holding him more likely than selling, or if possible, buy a low. But I feel like if someone has Singletary. They're not really trying to sell him.
1: See, I What's think people beat? are trying to sell, but the price, and we always talk about the buy and sell values not lining up. I think that's a big issue here. Again, I posted the poll on Twitter. 107 one handily and I would never sell Devin Singletary for 108 or lower again if you're looking for a running back in that range it's going to be somebody in a committee Dan you Uh, have your hand up
3: over there I'm stuck a little bit on Mitch's point about Miles Sanders being in a worse situation there so he's he's a second round pick where Devin's a third he's 5'11 211 he's got some size he holds on to the ball I mean he is the Eagles guy where Bills have been a little more wishy-washy on giving Santa Singletary the rock there. How, how is he in a worse situation, you Not
2: know, in the how, second half of the season, he I didn't. will completely disagree. The only reason why Miles Sanders got run is because Jordan Howard got hurt. That's the only reason why Miles Sanders ended up getting more playtime. Whereas you look at Frank Gore and Devin Singletary. Like John said, Miles Sanders is a better running back than Devin Singletary. But Devin Singletary took over for Frank Gore. Because they were giving him more work over how Frank Gore. How
3: old's Frank Gore, though? Come on, well, I mean he's the GOAT. I what, love Frank Gore, but he's pretty old there, man.
2: How old is Jordan Howard?
1: Young. He's only twenty-three, 20. 20,
2: but he's had a lot of work on those legs.
1: But Frank Gore's age has nothing to do with the way Devin Singletary played. That goes to the coaching staff. All right, you know, you you look at other situations, and it's like, why did a certain running back not get? Why did Kenyon Drake not get used in Miami? It had nothing to do with Kenyon Drake's skill. And it's the same situation with Devin Singletary. You can point to him being the issue, but it wasn't. And eventually they saw that. He got used in the second half of the season, and they made the push there to the playoffs.
3: Do you you draft him before Miles Sanders, JB?
1: No,
2: it's completely different.
3: So you would draft the guy in a worse position, Mitch, is what you're saying. I'm not saying
2: that I would take him over Miles Sanders. I'm just saying he's in a better position for this upcoming year. And if we're going to Miles Sanders. Yes.
3: So why would you take a – I
2: don't know. I'm stuck a little bit there. But, but they're, uh, going, you're good,
1: you're good. they're going six rounds apart, Dan. They're they're not even in the same ballpark.
2: To bring this back to Singletary a little bit, my issue is I would take like Cam Akers over him. I could see doing that. I can't say taking Dobbins or Jefferson or Herbert Edwards-Alaire over him. So that's kind of where – the problem is that's like right at the 109 range. And no one's really selling him for the 109. So I don't know if I'm really buying him more than what his price is, but I'm definitely not selling him for that price. And a lot of people I think are trying to sell him for a, you know, just sell him for a late first at this point. And there's just no way that I'd be willing to do that. Agree there. I wouldn't sell for a late first.
1: I I mean, I thought 107 was realistic, Mm -hmm. but clearly it's not. So in startups at this point, I'm okay with Devin Singletary and acquiring him. I'm not actively looking to pick him up in existing leagues, just because there is the chance, and I, I do think Buffalo brings somebody in. But I think Devin Singletary can be effective and be a back end running back too, you know, over the next two or three years with the workload that's expected. All right, so any other thoughts on Devin Singletary? Anybody in the chat? I don't know. Obviously, we are we have varying opinions here. I, I, I think he's a he, he's a tough buy for sure, you know, in existing leagues, but. I'm act. I'm pursuing him in in startups right now. At the point that his price has dropped,
3: I think it's a good analysis by all of us as far as price points. You know, we're all looking for him at, at different points, and it gives our, our listeners some different
1: views. All right, so Dan, we're going to jump over to your guy and Tom Brady. Obviously, this happened in the middle of the week after our episode last week, and we want to talk about him. Probably not so much about Tom Brady as it is the weapons around him. What are your thoughts here overall, and Tom Brady going to Tampa Bay
3: for fantasy football? I think it's a little bit of the rebirth of Tom Brady here. You know, I'm putting my coach's hat on, and when we talk about this tonight, and, and comparing a little bit, as we're hearing a lot of conversations between him and Jameis Winston, and I've been hearing a lot of you know certain guys not being maybe their stock going down a little bit with Brady at quarterback, and I want to argue that a little bit to, tonight there, as, as I'd be equally as high on uh, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans going into this year higher on OJ Howard, Um, looking at their stats from last year, you know, Tom Brady, 373 of 613, okay? Completions to attempts there, 60.8%. Winston there, 380 attempts to 626 for 60.7%. So their percent completion is about the same. But then when you compare weapons, it is night and day here. You know, let's just say Philip Dorsett is Brett Perryman for as far as a deep threat. Chris Godwin could be Julian Edelman, okay? But then the Mike Evans to whoever was the other receiver, whether it be Harry, Gordon, Myers, who were either injured, learning on the job. What a boost for Tom Brady. And then the tight end to go from Ben Watson on his last legs to OJ Howard. Uh, I'm starting to get excited about Tampa Bay here. You know, it's an organization that's the NFL worst win percentage in history at 38%, haven't won a Super Bowl since 2003, but – I'm a little bit of a Bruce Arians believer, man. I, I think he's he's bringing the Bucs back. And when you look at Winston's 30 interceptions, think of all the drives that ended, that could have been more yards, could have been more touchdowns, where Tom Brady protecting the ball, only throwing six interceptions. I think Brady's touchdowns go up. I know his yards per attempt is, you know, you're saying, hey, he's not slinging the ball downfield, but... Brady's a game manager, and he's going to be careful. And I wouldn't be slinging the ball downfield to Philip Dorsett and Ben Watson and and -and so-and-so, all right? But you give me Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and O.J. Howard, I'm going to have guys open all over the field. So I think his, you know, if you're looking at an over-under of 4,400 yards, I'm going to roll the dice and take the over as long as they can keep that O-line improving. You know, they signed one tackle here, uh, the Joe Haig, O lineman from the Colts. He's a very utility guy that could play anywhere on the line. So I think they're starting to build that. Hopefully they do so more in the draft, and we'll see what happens the rest of the free agency. But um, uh, you know, Tom Brady definitely uh QB three in my redrafts, you know, or uh, dynasty drafts here startups. I want him backing up both my quarterbacks. And if, if I slide on quarterback a little bit, he's my QB two. I'm okay for I think two years now.
1: All right. Mitch and I both just you about scared me for a minute, we thought you meant QB three in redraft, like quarterback three overall. No, not overall, not overall. Like, not like, like
3: I'm getting, you know, a Mahomes, Lamar, Watson, Dak early is my, my one guy. And then my number two is going to be somebody a little bit younger. And then I'm, I'm hoping to get Brady there. And I have three nice quarterbacks in a, in a super flex format. Um, but, you know, for some reason I want to slide and Brady's my number two. Um, I think at least for two years you got someone really relevant in Tampa Bay.
1: All right, so I'm going to play devil's advocate before I bounce it over to Mitch. And there's two things you brought up. One, it was comparing their completion percentage. And we all know Jameis Winston through the 30 interceptions. We know he struggled at times. You look at Jameis Winston. He was second in the NFL with 10.5 intended air yards per attempt, meaning he's going down the field with the ball. Tom Brady was down at 7.6, which was near the bottom of the league. And we talk about numbers all the time and numbers don't lie, but they can tell a certain story and you can ma- manipulate them a little bit. That 60% completion percentage for Jameis Winston, all of a sudden it looks a little bit better than Tom Brady's. Granted, he didn't have the weapons, but he still had those. He, everything was underneath for him. So I, yeah. I, I I don't know. I think it's a little bit
3: deceiving, Dan. That's where I, I think the numbers tell one story, but I think the quality of players tells another. And I think Tom Brady was doing what he had to do to win football games with limited weapons where, you know, your Winston has these air yards, but that's all he's doing. He's missing guys wide open in the middle. He's not utilizing OJ Howard. And I think he just made a lot of mistakes. So I think Tom Brady with those weapons, finding Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, even more when they're open, utilizing OJ Howard, taking some pressure off. I think he puts up solid numbers this year.
1: Now, one more, one more thing, Mitch, before you have added over there, and again, I'm going to play devil's advocate because I agree with you to an extent, but Tom Brady, if he's under more control, lower interception percentage, longer sustained drives. Okay. But they're not going to fall behind like they did in 2019. As a result, they were forced to throw the ball. Now, that was also with Ronald Jones at running back and, you know, the great Peyton Barber, you know, probably surefire Hall of Famer. If they draft somebody, if they maybe even bring in a Devonte Freeman for cheap, You don't think they utilize the running game a little bit more and with Tom Brady not turning the ball over, they don't find themselves in the hole that they did under Jameis Winston.
3: I think they still have to score with that defense. I don't think this is like a ground and pound team by any means. And again, I think in New England, who do you throw to? I watched those games trying to get the ball to Philip Dorsett and he's dropping the football. Uh, You know, Harry, you know, making some rookie mistakes at times. He made some progress, but it was very slow. Josh Gordon couldn't stay healthy man, Evans, Godwin, these guys are playmark makers. Just get the ball in their hands and they're going to do the rest. And I think that happens. And then you get down to the red zone and you don't turn it over. Now it's, re- now it's turning into touchdowns. So I think Brady's 24 touchdowns goes to 30. And, and I, I think there's solid fantasy production there.
1: All right, Mitch, you've been ready to jump through your screen over there. chomping at the
2: bit. So wait, wait, wait,
1: real quick. Somebody corrected me the one time and they said it's actually champing at the bit. Right. And, and I looked it up, and apparently that's correct. I,
2: I'm horrible at the English. No, but I've always heard
1: bit. chomping at the bit. So yeah. go at it. Chomp at the bit a little longer over there. Isn't
2: right? it what everybody says? Isn't that kind of how those things go? It is, is it colloquialism?
1: Something. I, I, I'm not an English person. I, I didn't go to college. Math, I have no so.
2: idea. All right, Mitch. But so one thing I want to bring up is you brought up, brought up that air yards for Jameis. And the reason why Jameis had so many air yards is because he was throwing so many interceptions and they were always playing from behind. So we always had to get those big chunk plays. And so we're not going to have to worry that, about that with Brady. Brady, when you watched him, he could still throw the ball deep. There's, a, there's one thing to where you could just watch football and you can see things going on. Rivers looks horrible when he's throwing the deep ball. Breeze flat out won't throw the deep ball at all. But you watch Brady and Brady will at least take shots downfield. And that's all that's really needed. As long as he's willing to take those shots, He's still accurate enough to make it happen, and one of the things that I thought was really telling with this contract. So after the two years, Tampa Bay's not allowed to franchise him. So that tells me he has an idea in the back of his head: is if these two years go good, he might play for another year or two afterwards. So I'm completely okay, like Dan brought up, having him as my third QB on my team, and even in my you know in my backup spot right now as my QB two. Because I think he's going to give you playable weeks every single week this year. And he's just so cheap right now that I'd be willing to go and acquire him in most most of my leagues. What are you willing to pay? i pay... See, I don't think you'd have to pay a first to get him. I think I would pay a very early second. Because if I could get a starting quarterback for two years for an early second, I think that's a great deal.
1: So I'm at the point, I actually have Tom Brady in a few leagues left over on my rosters. I would be... I'm not going to sell him right now. I think once the season comes around, if I'm rebuilding, I'm looking to sell him once the season rolls around to a contender. If he's my quarterback too, and the rest of my roster looks pretty solid, he's probably a hold for me. But Mitch, you brought up that Tom Brady was willing to take shots down the field. He also had a better offensive line in New England. What's he going to do behind this offensive line? So you look at Jameis Winston. He was pressured on 33% of dropbacks here in 2019. Not a huge difference, but Tom Brady was pressure on 29%. So so a, a little bit different there. And if you look at deep passes, Jameis Winston actually had a better adjusted completion percentage. And Dan, before you oh, yeah. say, well, well, Philip Dorsett's <laughs> dropping the ball, that includes drops. It's, it's adjusted for that you know, metric. So I, I'm just throwing things out there.
3: I think some coaching points there is, you know, the Bucks, 47 sacks. That offensive line gave up a ton of them, second most in the NFL. But I think Tom Brady's a little bit smarter in getting out of bad plays, not holding on to the ball too long, seeing the field better. So I think there's less sacks there. And again, like Mitch said, he could throw a deep ball still. And sometimes throwing a deep ball, too, is just a quick three-step drop and and get it out of your hands, and he's got the weapons to do so. I think where you'd miss out a little bit maybe is, you know, hey, Winston could scramble around a little bit more and, you know, make a crazy play now and then. But I love the direction of this offense is going under uh, the GOAT.
1: All right, so let's talk about some of the other weapons and how this actually impacts them. Mitch, the the glaring player here is Mike Evans. And like we talked about the air yards, Mike Evans, his value, it seems to be decreasing. It's dropping in startups. What are the thoughts on him and, uh, you know, his short and long-term outcome
2: here? My issue is I've never really been a Mike Evans fan. I've always seen him as the big play wide receiver who doesn't run after the catch. And so you're kind of hoping for those long play touchdowns. And he's never been a guy that I've gone after. And I'm not going to go after him now just because Tom Brady's there. But all the rest of the skill position players, I'm all about grabbing them, even Ronald Jones at this point. You don't think they I mean, same I mean now obviously he's a little bit cheaper than even Devin Singletary, but the Bucs, they they have to be looking at somebody, right? I'm sure they will. They'll probably bring someone in. Arians came out last year and said they're not gonna use a big pick on or a running back because look at what we got with David Johnson when he was in Arizona. And so I don't see them going out spending a first or a second round pick on one. So maybe they go and get whoever in the third round but i think ronald jones is still gonna be able to get some time and he's so cheap right now you don't have to pay a lot to get him
1: and you don't think a third round running back in this class is gonna take over ronald jones role
2: i don't think any third round running back comes in and just takes over the role right off the bat i think i
1: could take over the role from ronald Jones.
2: i bet you do
3: i could see the bucks taking a Devontae freeman and signing someone there or you know like you said jb i think second or third round they get a one-two bunch punch with Ronald Jones and someone if the if a Taylor, Jonathan Taylor slides a little bit, could take over Ronald Jones. They pick fourteenth overall. It's just a matter of do they go O line. You know, I think that should be their number one priority with 47 sacks given up last year. But the one thing I will differ with Mitch a little bit is on the Mike Evans take there. And, and there was a time where I, I kind of had that little stance where I wasn't a big Mike Evans fan. But watching those Bucs games last year, and unfortunately I was watching them each week to see why O.J. Howard wasn't getting the ball and waiting for that breakout that never happened. But Evans and Godwin, man, those two guys balled out and left everything on the field each week. And I think they broke down a little bit like towards the end of the year because they were just gassed. But that offense went through those two guys. They were unbelievable.
1: Justin is back. Welcome back. Your Wi-Fi yeah. finally picked up again.
3: It took out his shades too.
1: And I think we may have just too, lost you know, oh, got to oh, love oh. being back home. <laughs> yeah, He's still there. So we're talking about Tom Brady and obviously the impact he has in those weapons. You know, we talked about obviously the big discrepancy in air yards, and that's what people point to. And the narratives that we're seeing and the general consensus assumptions. So I'm going to run these by you. With Tom Brady being in Tampa Bay, up or down in terms of value for Ronald Jones? Let, let, let for, for the sake of this, let's ignore free agency yeah, the rest of the way. About Ronald Jones,
0: really easy. All right,
1: I would say it's definitely an increase. Chris Godwin, Godwin
0: increase for Chris Godwin slightly.
1: All right, and then uh, Mike Evans.
0: A slight decrease because you're not going to have him just throw it up there and say, hopefully you catch it because Tom Brady's going to be smarter with his
1: decisions. All right, and then look at the tight end position. Everybody wants to point at somebody and say, it's the next Rob Gronkowski. Cameron Brate, OJ Howard. Do you think – well, let's split it up. OJ Howard, do you think he bounces back? I mean, prior to 2019, he was like tight end five or six at one point. So do you think he has a bounce back season here with Tom Brady at quarterback?
3: They interviewed one of the Bucks coaches for Justin. Man, he's back home and his wife fi killing him. <laughs> there, he needs to go back to that college dorm. OJ Howard, one Bucks coach. They they were asking him what was wrong with Howard last year, and they said nothing. They says he was hardworking. They love the kid. Uh, so there's a really positive report that I don't know where that positive report was last year, but this offseason, I mean, they sung his praise and says they just they don't know why that you know all the targets were going Godwin and Evans way and it just wasn't clicking. So hearing that there's nothing wrong with him, you know he's working hard, he's healthy, the coaches love him. I think you give him Tom Brady, who knows how to use the tight end better than anybody. I think at the very least,
1: it catapults him back into that top 12 discussion. But are you willing to pay that? So if you're in an existing league, obviously you're going to have to pay the premium for OJ Howard. You're not going to get him based on his 2019 production. The thought is now, Tom Brady is there to save the day for these tight ends, and specifically O.J. Howard. So if I have O.J. Howard, I'm probably going to hang on to him. But are you willing to pay the premium for O.J. Howard?
3: I've been pushing the envelope to try to pay it and start in these uh, dynasty leagues we're in, and
1: I can't touch them, guys. No, and then, uh, Mitch, I know that you've been stashing away Cameron Brait.
2: Cameron and every team go on buy him. He's free in every draft, and there's no harm in it. There's actually, a, I think, there's a decent chance that they play a little bit more twelve personnel with Brady being there and having Bray and Howard on the field will be amazing for everybody.
1: Yeah, in startups, Cameron bray he's essentially free. And man, Justin, he's he's having a rough go at it. I'm, you know, so obviously there's a huge impact here for Tom Brady. And like I said, if I have Brady on my roster, if I'm contending. I'm certainly holding him. I want him as my quarterback three or even my quarterback two if I'm you know, obviously stacked everywhere else. I do think he has a really good season, but it's going to be very interesting with that offensive line. He was very spoiled in New England. You look at adjusted sack rate. The Patriots were fifth last year at 5.3%. Tampa Bay last year, 22nd, 7.6%. And you can point that to Jameis Winston's decision-making and maybe not getting rid of the ball, but I do think that's going to be something that the Buccaneers have to look at. They have a first, second, third, two, fourths, fifth, six, seven. So they have a full complement of picks here. And I think that fourth, it probably was a comp pick that they, they picked up there. But it's going to be very interesting to see what they do. I hope they spend time and money focusing on that offensive line. Any other thoughts here on Tom Brady before we go? And Justin, he is back. Before we go to Justin's Maybe. thoughts here on a, a player he wants to bring up. I think Tom Brady is going to be a top
0: 15 quarterback this year. And if I have Kirk Cousins in dynasty, I'm selling Kirk Cousins and someone else for Tom
1: Brady and a big upgrade. Say that again. Cause I, I, I think my, I think uh, something got lost in translation there. You're selling Kirk Cousins plus for Tom Brady in dynasty.
0: Well, no Kirk Cousins plus is for Tom Brady and a bigger plus. Like, oh, okay.
1: Okay. Like okay. I'm
0: trying to get like an Amari Cooper type player. Yeah. Even better. Like a Tyreek Hill kind of type of player.
1: And in a 14 or 16 team nice. league, you can definitely get an but, upgrade uh, there. The Winston sucks. That's what we're about. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we're sitting here, here March 2030. Know, he still
0: doesn't volume, have a job. Winston yeah, he... the backup quarterback <laughs> yeah. this year. It's
1: going to be very interesting to see I how would... they uh, – Justin, you're still really lagging over there, man.
2: Yeah.
3: AJB, just touching on that Winston comment that Justin made, though. If, if the New England Patriots do not – jump on a quarterback he is out of a starting job this year I don't see anyone else as I'm looking at my quarterback rankings giving Jameis Winston an opportunity to start you know now maybe he's a backup somewhere and someone struggles or injury and he you know he ends up getting an opportunity but as of right now yeah he's a QB2 this year My my rankings
1: I was going to tweet this out earlier and it was in relation to Robbie Anderson but it applies to Jameis Winston too at what point do these players that they're sitting there without a contract At what point do they say, all right, I have to take a pay cut. I have to be a little more team friendly. Do we think Jameis Winston goes that route? A one-year dirt cheap prove-it deal?
3: He probably will, but he's still going to be a backup. You know, I mean, maybe he gets some money like Mariota did to be a backup. And, you know, they tell him there may be an opportunity at some point for you. Robbie Anderson's, you know, the receivers, they're going to have to take less money, I think, at some point. But he'll end up starting to be a solid fantasy producer. I just don't think Winston's going to get an opportunity.
2: There's still the Chargers and Miami who both still need, as much as they like Fitzpatrick, Miami has the money to go and pay Winston for one year if they want to. The Chargers are in the exact same position. So they can, although I know we all say, hey, they go and get a rookie. but Or they could yeah. also just go and get Winston and not have to use a draft pick on a rookie.
3: I think that would be a curveball, Mitch. I mean, I you're spot so on. Too. There yeah. are teams that could do that if they take a shift in planning, but – I see them going the rookie route.
1: Yep. At this point, I'd be shocked if Jameis Winston lands a starting job, and I'd be especially surprised if he goes to the Chargers. In my opinion, they ride it out with Tyrod for year one, and once again, he's a bridge quarterback. Why are you signing Jameis Winston? He's not going to win you a Super Bowl. As much as I love Jameis and I love his his gunslinger attitude, why not have Tyrod play year one or pull the plug halfway through the season and bring in a Tua?
2: See, that's what's gonna happen. I think they'll pull the truck on ty- uh, pull the plug on Tyrod halfway through the year. I bet I would be shocked if he gets more than four games.
3: See, Tyrod could keep the Chargers in games and give them a shot at competing. And while this young quarterback behind him is developing, if the young quarterback's ready late in the season, awesome. If it's not till next year, they could live with that. You go a wince, then he could throw interceptions till, you know, again, you're out of the hunt before you know it.
2: I think we all have this really good memory of Tyrod and DFS. We played him every week because he was super cheap. But as far as being an actual NFL quarterback, there's a reason why he got dumped from Buffalo and never started a game after that.
3: But he was competitive in Buffalo, Mitch. Like He kept the team like as a fringe contender. Now, you knew he wasn't going to take them all the way, but at least he's familiar with the system, could keep the team competitive versus Winston. You have the learning curve and the issues with interceptions.
1: It's true. If I'm the Chargers, yeah, I, I stay the course. I ride it out with Tyrod and I attack the position in the NFL draft. If I have Tyrod, I'm probably looking to package him in some type of trade, whether it's a quarterback upgrade. The issue is we play with a lot of smart people, and hopefully they're not listening to this. I don't want to toot their horn too much, but we do. And you talk about players like Devin Singletary, Tyrod Taylor, and you say, oh, they're a sell.
2: Well, people really
1: aren't paying that much for them right now. So either you have to take a hit in value or just ride it out, and hopefully somebody pulls the trigger early in the season if they think Tyrod Taylor is the guy moving forward. But I'd be shocked if they don't attack the position in the rookie draft and they bring in a player like Jameis Winston. So uh, the Buccaneers—they're going to be talked about all off season. And unfortunately, because we this came out midweek last week, we're late to the party. I know a lot of people talked about this, but you know it's the the situations we're going to see all off season. Chris Godwin value spike, Mike Evans he's worthless Cameron Bray, OJ Howard. They're going to see 350 targets this year, you know, And Ronald Jones, he's going to be the next James white. He's going to get so many dump offs. So it's going to be things to look at. And if you feel strongly one way or the other, and you can take advantage of those value spikes or, you know, drops, I say, do it. So it's definitely something to pay attention to. And Justin finally back. I've been watching you. I think you're, you may have figured out your glitches here, but let's go back to the Buffalo bills. and, it's funny because I, I asked you guys, I said, bring up a guy or a situation you want to talk about from a dynasty perspective, and you know, let's talk about how it's going to play out in the dynasty implications. Mitch came to me with Devin Singletary. You came to me with Stephon Diggs, and I'm always one to talk about the Buffalo Bills, so I have no issue with it. If it gives me a reason to talk about Josh Allen, let's go. So Justin, Stephon Diggs, he was moved for what many would call a king's ransom to the Buffalo Bills. What are your thoughts on the trade overall? How do you see it impacting Stefan Diggs? And what are the changes here in Buffalo? How do you see it playing out?
0: The trade, you know, obviously, I think seeing it after the fact that the DeAndre Hopkins trade went down, you're like, all right, what the heck's going on here? But in reality, like if Hopkins were to go for this, I think he'd probably be worth more than this. But I think Diggs is the best route runner in the NFL. So I don't care. Like I don't if you ever pay for it because you're getting a proven talent who's only 26 years old. So I like the trade for Buffalo. However, I think it decreases Stefan Diggs' value. And this is coming from the biggest Stefan Diggs truther and supporter. And, you know, like he's, me, he's my guy, my favorite player in the NFL. But I think it bumps him outside of top 20 of wide receivers for me. And you have him at wide receiver 18 right now, I think, for ADP is where he was going. But probably now, possibly an increase. I don't know if you have updated one for that.
1: Yeah, so that was the most recent ADP that DLF had. And it's always funny. I think everybody looks at Buffalo, they're, they're a running team, right? Last year, you look at the splits, 519 pass attempts, 465 rushing attempts. So what, 53, 54% in favor of passes. But we see it time and time again in Dynasty. A player has a new team, and instantly there's hype. There's excitement. And it's interesting because he's going from Minnesota, who's also a run-heavy team, and he's going to Buffalo, a run-heavy team. I actually don't think it changes his value too much. You know... You talk about air yards, Josh Allen, he's willing to air it out. And I, it's going to be interesting to see how Stefan Diggs and John Brown, they're obviously lining up on the outside together. I mean, I guess Cole Beasley's on the inside. And this is all if they don't bring in another wide receiver. I think there's probably fewer targets, but we're going to see more air yards overall for Stefan Diggs. So I actually don't think it changes his value. I'm not going to greatly reduce him, but I'm certainly not going out to buy him just because, you know, I think most people that have Stefan Diggs, if they wrote it out last year, they're truthers, just like you talked about, Justin.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'll get into a Josh Allen debate with you. Um, so, Rocket Arm Man himself, you know, he's he's going to just launch the ball deep, which is going to increase Stefan Diggs' air yards. But if the ball is going out of the stadium. It's not going to matter. For <laughs> <me>. <laughs> that's, that's where I'm at with Josh Allen. So, you're going from Kirk Cousins, who's pretty accurate to, mm-hmm. you know, the Rocket Arm himself. So, Kirk Cousins was fifth in true completion percentage last year compared to 33rd. That's right. 33rd There's Only only uh, 32 teams in the NFL, I think. It no, no, I think that's in... a typo.
1: That was probably third, right? No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> fourth in play action compared to 24th. 10th in deep ball with 57 attempts to 33rd in deep ball. But, you know, 72 attempts, like you said, he'll definitely launch a deep. And eighth in pressure completion to 34th. And then this one's just hilarious. You get sixth in complete and clean pocket completion percentage to 34th. How does a man, I don't get it. Josh Allen's got to hopefully increase his, you know, accuracy. And Diggs had 93 targets last year. I want him to get to that 130 mark, but I don't think you're going to see that here in Buffalo. I think you're going to probably maybe 110. But in reality, how much better are those targets compared to what you were getting from Kirk Cousins, who I don't even like that much. I'm rooting for Josh Allen now because I have to. That's my Diggs truther status. I'm hoping the best for Diggs. But I think just the whole uh, narrative also with the wide receiver going to play with a new quarterback, you got to build that chemistry. It takes time. It's not going to happen in year one. So he's a sell for me. He's probably wide receiver 23 for me. I probably have Gallup over him now, which is not easy for me to say, but I may take, yeah.
1: So here's my issue. And Mitch, we're working through our projections. And I just got to Josh Allen. And I actually, I think they run the ball even more this year. And I love Josh Allen. But I'm looking at my early projections here. And I have guys like Matt Ryan, Matthew Stafford over him, and I, I, I have him right around 445 pass attempts. I don't think it's going to be that significant and Diggs is going to have to put up a 25% target share. And as good as John Brown was last year, he didn't even see that type of target share. So I, I it's going to be tough to really um, think Diggs rises in value at all. Mitch, not so much Diggs, but how is this going to impact the rest of the offense? So let's talk about John Brown and Cole Beasley. Obviously, aging veterans you can get them later in the draft but from a short-term perspective 2020 what do you think their outlooks like
2: i think justin brought up a great point with the quarterback chemistry josh allen loves john brown we saw that play out all year long and i don't see that changing at all i don't see how that could change with a new wide receiver coming in even how good Diggs is i think it is gonna really hurt cole beasley though cole beasley is gonna be able to get those. You know, third down passes when they need five or six yards. He'll be there for that. But I don't think there's any way he's going to get above like a 15% target share. And one of the big things for Diggs is his TD rate's going to have to be enormous for him to be really fantasy rev- relevant every single week. We could talk about target share, and the target share is going to be there. But like you said, Josh Allen isn't going to throw that many passes. So Diggs is going to have to convert whatever he can into touchdowns. And if he doesn't have an eight or 9% touchdown rate, it's going to be hard to even have him as a wide receiver two in your lineups.
1: Now I want to, I want to clarify really quickly. So DLF ADP had him at 18th. I didn't have him there. I was taking him later and most likely I wasn't getting him because I wasn't willing to pull the trigger. So when I say, I don't see it changing his value, Justin, you mentioned maybe you have him like wide receiver 23 range. That's probably guy, yeah. right around where I had him before. So well, I think his ceiling right now is wide receiver, it's back end of wide receiver two range.
0: I mean, hey, hopefully Josh Allen gives him the ball. I think like Josh Allen's value has to increase. I may take him over Stafford now because of the rushing ability and the fact that you do have Stefan Diggs, but I, I can see Josh Allen being top 12 this year. I haven't been my quarterback oh, yeah, anything,
1: but yeah. Well, I mean, he he did it last year. He did it the end of the season two years ago. Yeah. I mean, if you don't have him as your top in a top 12 – I don't know if I trust your list, Justin.
0: The I I will have him in the top 12. The human highlight reel himself, Josh Allen. Awful for real life football, but good for fantasy. Those are the kind of quarterbacks I like, but you know, we'll see. We'll see.
1: I remember watching that playoff game, and I actually multiple times I, I threw some words out there that I won't repeat on the show tonight. <laughs> because it was like, what is he doing? Dan, so we're we're talking about Stefan Diggs here, John Brown. Do you think there's any chance that out of these two receivers in 2020, John Brown is the more fantasy relevant option. I wouldn't rule it out. I, I have mixed feelings on how Diggs
3: fits in Buffalo right now, and I, I can make a case either way. I think uh, Justin and Mitch both made solid points, and I, I probably leaned their way based on uh, on the facts you know that they laid out for us. You know, when you look at Buffalo now, I am more encouraged about Josh Allen in the passing game. I mean, you look back to last year. We're talking about Smokey Brown, who's a little bit underrated, but he's not a big target. Cole Beasley, we know what he is in the slot. Who else do they have? Duke Williams, Isaiah McKenzie, who they just cut. Robert Foster, for some reason, never materialized to see the field. So they didn't really have a number three wide receiver. So from that perspective, they've got three legitimate receivers that could get open and make plays. But I'm a little surprised Josh Allen hasn't gotten that big target that – you kind of think he needs because of the st- style of quarterback that he is. So, how does that fit in with three smaller wideouts right now? Now, is it playing to the strengths? He likes to run around. We might see some explosive breakout games where Josh Allen's scrambling around and Diggs knows how to get open and, and does his thing. So, we might have a few breakout games. Maybe they're more for DFS than, than Dynasty. I'm not sure. And I also see that Buffalo's all in. They're going for it. I think we all agree that he had to get out of Minnesota for whatever reason. Diggs was getting his own head. He was kind of like getting like OBJ there, very disgruntled where he was at. And I think that was impacting his play a little bit. You know, OBJ was pretty mild-mannered in Cleveland. It's a little shame we didn't get to – he wasn't healthy, so we don't really know how that's still going to play out. So where does Diggs fit in this year? He's happy. He's content. He's got a quarterback that can move. Um, You know, I I probably look at the – fantasy pros rankings and put them a little bit closer to 24 than 13. And I guess that's
1: where I land right now. And it seems like out of the four of us, that's probably consensus here on dynasty theory. My big issue is the the amount of targets to go around. I see fewer pass attempts here in 2020 than I saw in 2019. And I like Josh Allen, but he's actually, I have gone through 12 quarterbacks here in my projections. He's actually a little lower than I expected And I know he's going to give you the rushing upside, but we actually saw that come down a little bit here in 2019 and they want him to throw the ball more. I want to see him run the ball more. So, you know, any way you look at it overall, I don't know if anybody's looking at this thinking, oh my goodness, Stefan Diggs, he's skyrocketing up my draft board here. I just don't think it's the case. So uh, while it's not significantly worse, it's definitely not better in my opinion.
3: For another show, John, boy, I can't wait to see what happens in Minnesota. If they don't get a stud receiver in the draft, you know, losing digs, I think is going to hurt them more than they know.
2: I think it's going to be a wide receiver one. I would be
1: well, surprised if they didn't attack the wide receiver position in the draft, yeah, especially yeah. with this extra draft capital.
3: And watching Minnesota in years past, you know, Treadwell never materialized, and I watched him drop so many balls, and that OBC Johnson last year's average at best you know, I'm sure Irv Smith will be a little bit better this year, but man, cousins can't scramble. You lose Diggs now. They've got to find a way to replace that production.
1: And really quick, before we move on, we have a comment here. Somebody landed Stefan Diggs in a current startup at 6.07. I'm assuming that's a super flex startup. Wide receiver 24. Again, right where we're talking about, I would feel comfortable taking him there. I think the talent's there. He's young enough, but you get any any further you know, than that, wide receiver 23, 22, 21. I don't know. It starts to get a little bit interesting, and there's probably some better options. I'd rather have Calvin Ridley than Stephon Diggs. Oh, yeah. I, and like you said, Justin, I'd rather have Michael Gallup than Stephon Diggs.
0: It's sad times. I better have it is. rookies over him right now, too. Anyway. Uh,
2: yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. I take Justin I Jefferson over him. All right, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna, yeah. you're gonna. Oh, see, I should get, have said Jalen Rager. Support, My, bad. My bad. There you go. Now yeah, you're. See, talking. See? I'm learning. I'm learning. <laughs> I
1: don't know what it is, but and this is getting sidetracked a little bit. Rager's actually, he's not going too high in startups right now. I got him in the ninth round, I believe, in a super flex startup. Yeah. So wide receiver twenty nine thirty. You know, so right now. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, I know. But yeah, if you look at uh startup ADP, I'm guessing C.D. Lamb, Jerry mm-hmm. Judy those are the guys going ahead i i, I you're not going to see rugs go ahead of him not yet from what i've seen yeah. but depending on landing spot i uh, no. heck yeah wait till May.
2: what if rugs <laughs> goes all these guys make the like it to the second round well, i don't yeah. care
1: where rugs goes he's no no you're taking digs over rugs
0: i'm not risking with that no, 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 no,
1: no i'm, no, I'm not, not a fan i'm just
0: i'm just acting like
1: <laughs> just playing devils advocate so again we we talk about all these interesting situations Buffalo, it's going to be one to look at because obviously we talked about Devin Singletary, talking about Stephon Diggs, how does it impact the passing game? Uh, Again, I see fewer pass attempts here in 2020. I love Josh Allen, but I'm going to need to see a little bit more here in 2020. I haven't been able to buy him at all because I'm not willing to pay that price, but that's probably a conversation for another day. One more thing I want to bring up, and I haven't really seen anybody talk about this, so I'm going to say get on the bandwagon with me. And I actually didn't make one of these little coal scrolly things at the bottom. I completely forgot about it. And it's my take. How bad is that? The New York jets, they are improving that offensive line. Le'Veon Bell. He was horrific last year, 3.2 yards per carry. It was the lowest out of a running back that had at least 240 carries since Todd Gurley did it in 2016. So it's been a few years since we've seen that amount of volume and that little efficiency. I think this year, a big bounce-back candidate is Le'Veon Bell. And I think Sam Darnold, he's going to benefit. We look at the offensive line moves that the Jets have made. George Fant, Connor McGovern. I want to say Connor McGregor there, but I caught myself. Greg Van Rotten, Josh Andrews. They re-signed Alex Lewis. And they have the 11th overall pick in 2020. I, I don't know. I know Le'Veon Bell. He's of course, he's over the age of 23 and that's already when you start to fade running backs, right Mitch, but he's 27 years old. He might as well be dead in dynasty. He has one foot in the grave. So he's somebody that I've been targeting in startups and, you know, as bad as he was last year, I care about volume. He had 245 carries 66 receptions. He's going to continue to see targets unless they somehow revamp that wide receiver core. And, you know, obviously they're going to make up for Robbie Anderson most likely being gone, but. Le'Veon Bell is somebody I have my eye on here this offseason. Do you guys have any thoughts here? Dan, Le'Veon Bell, what are your thoughts?
3: I I think, you know, Joe Douglas is, is, you know, in general manager role there is bringing some talent in. You know, he's starting to have a little bit of a plan, so there's nowhere to go but up in in New York there. I think, you know, in watching Bell last year, I almost felt bad for the guy. I mean, there was just no holes. There was no lanes. Um, His effort was there. You know, he... He did what he can. Uh, So I I think, John, your points would definitely solidify him as an RB2 this season. You know, he's closer to the top 20 than those, you know, the worst case scenario, fantasy pro ranks of 30. Uh, So I do like him this year. You know, definitely RB2. You know, as you know, I'm still not excited about Adam Gase and they've got to find another offensive weapon in that uh, at the receiver position, whether it's even if they bring Robbie Anderson back, you know, I, I could see them drafting somebody. They've got to get a little bit more help and firepower for Sam Darnold to kind of open the the run game up a little bit. So I think he's on the upswing. And I think to your point, you could probably get him at a nice point right now and he'll help your team win games this year. And I'd leave it at that.
1: Yeah, they're, they're looking to improve the big weakness, the offensive line. And they're making steps in the right direction. So it's just somebody that I'm interested in. And, you know, I I talked about Sam Darnold. The Jets were 30th in adjusted sack rate at 9.2%. You bring in all these free agents. Obviously, it's going to take some time for them to mesh. But I certainly like the direction that they're going. Mitch, do you have any thoughts here before we move on?
2: I know you brought up Le'Veon Bell. But the real person we need to talk about in this offense is, of course, Jamison Crowder. I mean, if we're going to bring up the Jets, I'm going to bring up Jameson Crowder every single week because he is going round 13, round 14 in startups right now. He's free. He's free. Yeah. And he got, what, 120 targets last year. That was with Sam Darnold missing all those games because he got mono from going to some high school dance or whatever happened. But... (laughs) Go get Jameson Crowder. He's one of those guys who's free, who is going to be able to be a wide receiver three every single week, and he's just a plug and play. You put him in, you don't worry about it, and you move on. And those are the guys that I really like on my team. I think Mitch, he's
1: a wide receiver two this year.
3: Mitch might have gave the fantasy tip of the night tonight with, with Jameson Crowder. Because I mean, if we think about our past drafts and past years, how many times, guys, have we been one year off? You know, like for some reason, there was something we liked about Crowder last year. Gase was pumping him in the preseason. He gives the offense juice. He's the one guy that gives us that. And it just didn't all come together. But now with a little more O-line protection, as you're pointing out, JB, this could be the year where you're getting him at this late value and he gives you better production and helps you stream and and win a couple games here and there. So that, that could be a great tip tonight by Mitch. Kudos, man.
1: Thanks, now dude. this could change once I go through our projections because I haven't gotten to running backs yet. But I'm going to say if he gets 245 carries and 66 receptions, he's going to be a high-end running back too. And it's just – I want volume. I don't he, care. Uh, what was that, Dan? He, he was like the hot blonde that like
3: stood me up on a date, and, and I haven't been able to get over it. But Mitch is like being the good friend tonight and saying, Dan, let it go. Let it go. Crowder's he's better than that. Give him a chance. So I'm going to give Crowder a
1: chance after tonight's show
3: thanks to Mitch.
1: All right. And Justin, will you give Le'Veon Bell a chance?
0: I think like you mentioned like RB two and he's get the volume, but uh, I did some looking up on these offensive linemen they brought in and they all kind of suck. But <laughs> <laughs> Great point. it's true, dude. It's really. But true. um, so like quick little like stat bits. So George Fant, um, last year when he didn't play, the run success rate went up twelve percent, and then Greg Ran Rowan from the Panthers, when he was off the field. The sack rate went down a lot, and then you got it's just it's just not a good situation. You well, who,
1: okay, let bad. me ask you though so, who were the quarterbacks there for the Panthers in those situations? What was going on with the running game in Seattle? And there are other variables here.
0: And you gotta ask Chris Carson that one. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I also got Kyle <laughs> Allen. Yeah, I mean, well, it's not great. I, I mean, hopefully, it's better for Sam Darwin, Levy on Bell Sig. I think the slot man, James Crowder, is a big benefactor. He's been my favorite bias this whole entire offseason because. People just don't credit him for what he does. He gets targets. He's in the slot, and Sam Donald likes him. So
1: one plus one equals two. You you get the guy, wide receiver two slash three every week. How excited would you be if I said, hey, you're going to get a wide receiver in the 13th round. He's going to have at least 120 targets this year. I'd be absolutely thrilled. I would have to do something.
0: I would have to hold like an event or some kind of party for that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm, all, I'm all game for that. You tell me that
1: I'm like, hey, who is it? Jameson Crowder. No, have what? some type of Jameson Crowder gala. So, you know, we <laughs> talked about, we talked about the bills a few times with Devin Singletary. Do they bring a running back in? The thought is yes. Um, and how are we acting based on that? Are we buying, selling the community saying sell? At what point do we start to transition when everybody else is screaming sell Maybe it's a hold or a buy. And then we talked about Stefan Diggs, obviously a new home in Buffalo and Tom Brady, huge impact on what's going to happen in that offense. And from a dynasty perspective, Tom Brady, he's a perfect plug and play super flex option. He's let's say he even quarterback 18. You're going to be thrilled to get him. That was, that was a floor there, Justin, but quarterback 18, I I think you're gonna be thrilled to get him where you are in, in startups right now. Now, before we sign off, we are kicking off the first ever defend your tweet. So, Justin, over the last few days, I went through your Twitter timeline here, and I said it was tough because you you retweet a lot of things, and you don't always have takes on Twitter. But I found one. And for this, you, took, you put the sunglasses back on. I'm going to throw this up on the screen, and I'm going to read it out loud here so the people not watching, they know what it is. This is back from October of 2019. Are you ready? <laughs> and you and you have no idea what it is. So I have like no natural, idea what it is. I'm with you're the you're clenching on over there. You are terrified. I'm ho- I, like,
0: I have. I gotta make more takes on Twitter. As, well as I'm learning from this. But I'm excited to see this October take. Let's see how. I had to go back to October.
1: But here tweet. we go. So the first ever defend your tweet. Here we go. October 27th, 2019. Oh, look at that. Listen, 33 likes at 3:44 p.m. And I looked at it. This had to be the back end of their game. Zach Ertz was the easiest fade in drafts this year. <laughs> hold on, hold on. <laughs> so on October 27th, he had two catches for 20 yards. Guess what he did after that? Nine <laughs> catches, 103 yards. Nine catches, 94 yards. 12 catches, 91 yards. He finished his tight end two in full PPR. So Justin, yeah. defend that tweet.
0: I'll defend that tweet and redraft, that's what we're talking about here. So easiest fade for me because he was going early third round sometimes before Kittle, and I was like, you're, you're joking. The only guy I'm taking here this early is George Kittle. He or finished above a...
1: George Kittle, though.
0: Yeah, but it wasn't as fun to have on your team. I feel like, you know, you're more consistency. I think George Kittle won you weeks rather than Zach Ertz, but I think Zach Ertz had one good game in the playoffs, and don't quote me on that. But he was going in the third round, I was saying fade him all offseason. I'm like, don't take Zach Ertz in the third round, especially in like a non-tight end premium league. You're going to want to take a skill position guy there. Um, Joe Mixon was going to end the second round last year. I mean, obviously, he didn't do that great early on, but he came on the later half of the season. You see guys like Tyree Kill going later, second round when Zach Ertz went. Zach Ertz went at the two o nine in one of my drafts, and I was like, you have guys on the board. I'm trying to think who would run at that. You know, Mari Cooper range kind of type players. Tyree Kill, Keenan Allen, and all these quarterbacks and super flex, but people are taking Zach Ertz that early. And I think the big thing I was trying to say was, you're not taking him at that price. If he falls into the fourth round, maybe consider it, but I'm just not a big Zach Ertz guy. I think that, Fade him again this year. I'm selling. No, I, th- I, I
1: think that Justin, I think the big thing you were saying was on October 27th, he had, two After he had a bad game. York. And, I was <laughs> and like, yeah, that's I'm called recency really bias.
0: That right <laughs> <laughs> is called recency
1: bias. But at that
0: point, that tweet was very accurate.
1: It was. And then he, he, he got <laughs> um, literally, he must've read that because you sparked a fire <laughs> under him. 11 targets, 11 targets, 14 targets, six, 13, 10, six. And he just tore apart the second half of the season. And you mentioned he only had one good game in the playoffs. Week 14, nine catches, 91 yards, two touchdowns. I don't know. I see that as a good game. Week 15, five catches, 61 yards, one touchdown. So I'm just saying, Zach Ertz was a fade for me going into the season, but I just love the timing of that tweet. And that's how much time I'm putting in here for all (laughs) these different goofy segments. I literally went back to October on your timeline to find you bashing Zach Ertz, and He looks back at you and says, screw you, Justin. Screw, screw the father-son fantasy football podcast because uh, I'm going to put up monster numbers the second half of the season.
3: I think his father was probably yelling at Justin that week. So you, you can only get mad at <laughs> half the podcast, not the whole thing.
1: All right, so we'll, we'll leave the father portion out. But he was saying, screw the son part of the podcast. There you go. There you Most go. people do. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, Justin, again, thank you so much for joining us. You know, Obviously, we had you on last week, but if yeah, people didn't again. tune in last week, let our listeners know where to find you, what you're working on, talk about the podcast.
0: Yeah, so you guys can find me on Twitter at JustinFSFF. I'll be having some more Dynasty takes, just more takes in general. I'm currently working on better Wi-Fi because this is very annoying tonight. I come back home and, you know, i leave my dad after trying to make the Wi-Fi stable. I come home first night doing the podcast. And the thing cuts out, I've reset it, updated firmware. What's going on over here? So McDonald's Wi-Fi is a new thing, but the podcast is spotter's on fancy football. Find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean. We're doing one episode a week. We have a Dynasty episode coming this week. So
1: yeah, check us out. Well, again, thank you so much for jumping on. As always, thank you everybody for tuning in. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Dynasty FF. Have a great night.